Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is season two of Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. This week, we're talking to Lucy Mangan and Emily Thomas. Say, come back, slag. Bye, bum crack. I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. I'd say we're all allergic to whimsy and that kind of thing. We're here for your more kind of practical help if you want someone to just kind of fanny around with cups of tea and and strokings we're not your people but i'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship right now she's gone yeah now you can be honest we can relax yeah did i forget to tell you that she's a compulsive liar i mean (laughs) if we didn't know any better and she didn't look like one parent and i didn't look exactly like another one would assume that one of us was adopted the question is, would we be friends if we met kind of from a standing start now? Um... Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Columnist and writer Lucy or Boogaloo and IT whiz, you think that's what she does, Emily or Mindfrog, grew up in Catford in a house ruled by an indomitable mother. Bookish, introverted Lucy had more in common with their dad, nicknamed the Potato, while Emily buzzed around amassing incredible knowledge and impressive skills and daring adventures. We talk about all of that, about nighttime childhood fears, the importance and magic of real and true friends, and we discuss the Mangan House rules, of which there are many. But Lucy started by recounting an incident which perfectly illustrates the polar opposite approaches to life that the sisters have. I mean, this is this is quintessential Emily and the difference between us is that she, A, went out on her bike and B, we lived in in Catford. It was just, you know, just streets and houses. But she got she got uh, some kind of map, I don't know where from, that showed the contours. I think we were driving somewhere and I looked to my right and I thought, oh, that's a hill. And then I looked at the A to Z and I saw that it was a, a crescent. Um, so she worked out the highest point she could reach Ill- illegally, you know, going out on her bike on her own illegally across roads, all sorts of busy roads and stuff. Not the South Circular, but near enough the South Circular in Catford. Very near the South very Circular. Very near, but quite a busy road, but not very busy, you great big wuss. And I thought, God, how much fun would that be to go, you know, quite a steep hill on a crescent? Can you get your knee down like you would on a motorbike? See, I, don't, I already don't even know what she's talking about. <laughs> so I took my bike... You had to either cycle or I think I probably walked up the very steep bit. But then you had the pleasure of the the semicircle coming down on, on your bike on a hill, on a very, very quiet road. 
this was at the age of, you know, sort of 18 months she was doing this. And I was waiting to geography GCSE to find out what the hell contours were. Uh, and that was really the difference between us, let alone planning a an illegitimate trip out, you know, under my mother, from out from under my mother's watchful eye. It was great. I was very happy, briefly. <laughs> it's it's wild how different your ideas of pleasure can be. <laughs> my idea of pleasure is knowing nothing about this till I was at least 37. Yep. <laughs> you were shocked. I was. So I can't get over it I can't, because I can't get over you doing it all the planning. without permission. Planning I don't think it. I didn't have permission. I think the permission to go out on my bike is just nobody knew that I was going A and Yeah, well, that's why you know, you know perfectly well that permission to go out on our bikes was limited to the 10 yards in front of our Did home. Did you ever go Between out the two piles of... Uh, I went out, well, I remember, yes. No, I've been outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you, you, me and Lucy Donovan used to sit on the bit of her wall. Yeah. And that was with some bikes at some point. Yeah, so not actually cycling, just sitting on the wall no, with just bikes sitting. next to us. Yeah, as like we, adjacent yeah. I was. Yeah. And people who know your mum feel they know your mum through your columns would find that amazing that she managed to evade that. Yes, I don't, I don't know where she found the courage. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I was a good little citizen of mini North Korea. <laughs> and um, I, don't, I don't know where she she got the even the idea. I never even knew you could leave the house without explicit permission <laughs> yeah you're very very different aren't you do you want to tell me a bit about what you were both like as children I mean if we didn't know any better and she didn't look like one parent and I didn't look exactly like another one would assume that one of us was adopted but equally my parents are so different that it's when you think about it that way it's not it's not that Lucy was as you will all know very bookish intellectual I'd go as far as saying that as a teenager I remember her being in bed quite a lot um I remember my mother actually making the bed around her by tipping her out from under the sheet and then rolling her back again onto the clean sheet um <laughs> like a long-term sick person <laughs> yes yeah, probably worried about bed sores um but that was her teenage years so if she wasn't reading she was preferably sleeping but as little ones, I think, well, again, her memory of everything, obviously being the elder, is is far better than mine. But I was a, a sort of tomboy. I was a bit sort of, I was building stuff. I was never happier than with Lego. Um, I'm not sure I could say that I had Lucy to play with, but I certainly had Lucy as a sister. That's very sad. <laughs> I remember playing with her all the time as a constant intrusion on what I'd rather have been doing. <laughs> no, I, I suspect she means, well, I know she means that I was always reading. She just was, you know, there's nothing more to say really about Lucy. She was, she had her head stuck in a book. Did it bug you? No, I had my Lego. It, and the thing is, it's not, it's a bit like whatever you don't have, you don't miss. It's not, she did play things. We did dens. We loved doing dens. We did play. I'm going to take issue with that. We used to divide what was called the playroom um, up into two parts, so we'd have separate houses, the line of soft toys down the middle. She would always, and I never twigged this one, she would always choose the the half that had the door in it, and then she would basically charge me some sort of... um, (laughs) 
fee or toll to be able to leave my side of the den to go out the door. <laughs> Did I? Oh, God. How very clever of me. That's probably the last time I ever got one over on my sister, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and so what are your memories of her? If she remembers you being sort of... Um, moved as if to prevent bed sores by your mum changing the sheets while you were still in the bed. How do you remember her pottering around and spending her time? Well, not pottering for a start. I mean, just sort of zipping around, just doing everything. She's she's like my mother in that, you know, they both have to fill the unforgiving minute, which I think is a wholly admirable way to be. And I wish I was like that. This is not a criticism in any way. It's just, it's mere bafflement, really. And she wasn't, by her own admission, that keen on other children either. Like, she wasn't that keen on playing with anybody, right? No, she... I I don't remember... I mean, we used to play occasional sort of card games and things with the family or with Grandma. I mean, we used to play cards with Grandma whenever she was down. But she, children-wise, until she got to secondary school, I don't think I could... She definitely had children at birthday parties, you know. I had one or two, but even then it would be, you know, mum saying, well, it's time you had someone around for tea kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, occasionally. I don't (laughs) remember. This is awful. I don't remember her having any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it just wasn't me. And it still isn't. You know, I've got more friends now that I'm older. Because when you're young, obviously, you haven't actively chosen your friends. They just happen to be the people you're in your class with you haven't made any kind of active choice to to be with them and obviously the older you get the more you meet people you want to get to know and you choose to get to know I don't remember her friends coming round before she was in secondary school and even then there was only one (laughs) so did you did you do that thing of finding a slightly more kindred spirit then at secondary school exactly yes mad Sally Wright (laughs) even now if you talk to Lucy about Sally Lucy will actually just start laughing at the memory of Sally. (laughs) Mind you, so do I. She's a marvel. Back then, just being a child together didn't seem to me to be enough reason to want to speak to anyone. Until Sally? Until Sally. My Sally, yeah. So that was the first year of secondary school. So I was 11 or 12. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, I want to get to know you. And a very good choice it turned out to be. (laughs) We're still friends and she's still bonkers. (laughs) She's still... Still makes me laugh like no one else. <laughs> the two of them were just the odd couple. Sally, tall, skinny, uh, gangly, long drink of water, and, and little Lucy. And they just made each other laugh, but not huge, Not many things make Lucy laugh properly, you know, till you can't breathe. But even just the memory of Sally makes Lucy laugh. It's great. <laughs> She has written about being quite anxious as a child. Do you remember that being her little sister, or do you not really remember that? Now, quite a lot of this would have been when I was very young. It's one of those things that I'm not sure whether it comes from personal memory or stories since. Mm. She was a very anxious child. She she would... um, Mind you, we both had our little bits and pieces now I think about it. Uh, Well, I I was very OCD, I think is what we certainly call it now. And a very, yeah, very anxious kind of overthinky child. Again, I think it's the, it's the downside of being an, or another downside of being an introvert, depending on your mileage. And that was very hard for, for my mum and dad because I was just, you know, really 
really bad when I was about six or seven. I, you know, couldn't s sleep out before hours of rituals and, and this kind of thing. Um, I don't know how aware Emily was of it because she was only she would only be about four or five at the time. She did have a, a period of being quite mental, fastidious about things, and having to, you know we all a lot of children. I was going to say everyone, but a lot of children have a something about there being something under the bed or um, not being able to go to sleep until you've done some sort of little ritual or other or other. Maybe it's not all children. Maybe it's just us. <laughs> what sorts of rituals would you put in place? Um, I had to, or mum had to, or I had to pull all the bed covers back to make sure there were no snakes in the bed, no snakes under the bed. And then I'd have to go through things like I'd have to go through each of the, the hangers in the ward with clothes on with a part to check there was no one hiding between them, even though I knew there couldn't be, because obviously you can't have a man hiding between two flat clothes together. I could knew that, but I had to, it was compulsive, you know, that's the whole thing, that's the problem. It's compulsive and you have to do it and you're not in control and it's extremely upsetting and extremely frightening. And my poor mother, you know, from the outside, it looks even more frightening, I suspect, when it's your, chi your tiny child doing this and sobbing and going, I know he's not there, Mummy, I know he's not there, but I have to do it, I have to. She's like, and she's just like, I know, I know you have to do it, just do it and then we can go to bed. And then I, you know, I know that now that down, she used to go downstairs and just sob on my dad. And you said you both had your bits and bobs. What were your bobs if those were her bits? <laughs> I very much remember lying in bed, not being able to move, because if I moved, then whatever was under the bed would come and get me. And I do remember lying, you know, in a pool of sweat until somebody came to bed. Because of course I was, you know, first to bed, being the youngest. God, I remember that sort of just absolute rigour, pure muscle tension. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in the I, mean, you're, I think you're a similar age to me, you know, in the 80s and things. We just didn't pathologise or label or try and treat a lot of those things, did we? Yeah, it was just part and parcel, you know, oh, this was a thing. What You know, what were you going to do? There was no... It wasn't there was even a stigma, I didn't, or I didn't feel one. It was just there was no thought that you would intervene or do anything. I think they did take me to the, the local GP at one point when it got really bad because I think Dad wanted to take me to see a film but they couldn't work out how to enable me to cope with the cinema. One doctor said, just love her, which is quite the, again, the old-fashioned kind of <laughs> um, paternalistic medical model but I think it was what probably was needed and what gave her the strength just to hold steady and, and wait for it all to pass. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think your mum understood you as an introvert? No, she understood me as an individual. Um, but I think the closest she ever got to understanding introverts as a class was just to go, oh, you're just like your father. I think she never quite understood, certainly when I was growing up, that it was can't not won't when it came to going out or speaking up or volunteering information uh, that was always a big thing that I never told her anything and I was like well why would I tell you it just happened it would I haven't told anyone it's not it's nothing personal it's not to you I'm not telling it would never occur to me to to say something for no reason if someone hadn't you know unless it's in response to a direct question dad and I don't speak which is hard for a a natural extrovert to understand. I get that now. I didn't then, but I get that now. Mm. 
I was listening to a, a podcast that had something to do with parenting and the person who was um, hosting the podcast said they just felt so frustrated as, as an extrovert that their child wasn't giving them a chance to shine <laughs> by talking to them. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and someone had said to her, how about you let your child shine in their way and you shine in yours? <laughs> it's an idea. It's not, very, it's not very fun, but it's an idea. It's one that I tr- I'm trying to take in and, and uh. think about. <laughs> I am very similar to my mother, whereas Lucy is incredibly different, couldn't be much more different. And I think that that provided a lot of um, conflict between them, that mum just did not understand Lucy. <laughs> and the, the, Lucy's modus operandi would be to do nothing, if at all possible, do nothing. And it just drove mum insane. And I do remember, you know, it's coming back to me now, the, the clashing of heads. And, of course, Lucy is so passive that it would never be that they would scream at each other, you know, like normal mothers and daughters or teenagers and mothers. It would just be mum being unbelievably frustrated with her and getting, not even getting the reward of having a bloody great Barney, you know. But I was... I suppose I was easier to understand for Mum because I, I just was more similar. I think the great difference became when she was a teenager and suddenly my mother was rather taken aback because she suddenly had this normal teenager who actually wanted to go out and would fight her ground to go out with her friends on a Friday night and a Saturday night and maybe some other nights as well. And that kind of <laughs> took her by surprise because I'd been very easy and not caused her moments trouble on that front. Well, I suppose being the eldest and an introvert, you hadn't really paved the way as is traditional. Yeah, no, she had to do it all herself, hack through the maternal undergrowth with a machete and uh, find her freedom. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How else would you describe Lucy? You did say that she was lazy, but how would you characterise her? She's a funny mix. She's she's lazy, and yet she works really hard. Academically, she works really hard. She works really hard on her writing, and that's so, um, well, it's enviable that she has found a job that is her vocation, that she enjoys most of the time, so good at, and gets lauded for it, quite rightly. She's extremely clever, extremely clever. She doesn't have a practical bone in her tiny little body. (laughs) I mean, literally stunning how useless she is. She's extremely funny, but you all know that. 
introverted, but you know that too. She is absolutely selfless. She has, you know, mind you, maybe it's just because she's incredibly passive. She just can't be asked. She can't be bothered to argue. Um, and she's also in a very, very, very lovely mother to Alexander. Oh, I'm sure. And how would you describe your sister n- now? So she was kind of zipping around and um, looking at, um, what do you call them, ordinance survey maps of the local area when she was tiny. But how would you describe mm. her as a as a proper grown-up now? Uh, I would say exactly the same, but now she's got access to the whole flipping internet. She knows everything. I don't know how. She just absorbs information wherever she goes. I think she must she must do it while she's sleeping as well because there's no other way... She could know so much about everything. And not only that, but, you know, sort of synthesise it. And, and and then if you have a question, make it accessible to you and pitch it to the right, pitch it right for for an audience. She's just, in, she's just incredibly clever and capable and and kind as well. That makes her sound very cold and it's not that at all. Uh, but it's kind, but, it, and, but in a, you know, this very capaciously practical way. Mm. I was going to say, does she have, because she says she's quite like your mum, does she have that quite no-nonsense uh, brusqueness? Yes, well, we all, we, we all do. I'd say we're all allergic to whimsy and that kind of thing. We're here for your more kind of practical help. If you want someone to just kind of fanny around with cups of tea and, and strokings, we're not your people. Um, but when you actually want some help and some advice... Uh, mine won't be as good, but it will be delivered in the same manner. But theirs will be good and delivered in a straightforward and direct manner. What was it like having a mum like that, who's not whimsical or there for the stroking? Well, I always found it very helpful because, I don't know, I've got no... I've got very... I mean, maybe this is... Who knows whether it's cause or effect, but I would always rather know where I stand with people rather than... And what I've, I've seen a lot of my friends relationships with their mothers especially as we get older is that there's this element of at the very least martyrdom uh, from the mother and at the and at the worst uh, you know very extreme forms of manipulation and guilt tripping and all that kind of thing whereas we've never had any of that and we still don't you know if my mother's upset you're going to know she's upset if she's pleased you're going to know she's pleased if she's very proud of you or happy with you you're going to know that too so there's you have to take the rough with the smooth and the rough is obviously that that there's no you know when you're a teenager it might have been quite you know a bit more helpful to say no you look you look lovely darling <laughs> rather than oh my god you don't you're well you'll not stop clocks or traffic kind of attitude <laughs> you know that teenagers can't bear too much reality but once you're through that kind of tricky patch it's overall i think a very good thing to know where you stand but just have a very honest and direct relationship with your mother and your parents and your sister and your whole family is is increasingly rare I, I find as I meet more people mm. and is that a sort of bracing honesty like you said you know Lucy was and then you paused and said mental <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing with them um, your mum I mean as portrayed in Lucy's writing and maybe not in real life there was a sort of no-nonsense brusqueness about oh my things. goodness uh, there's I, I always think when people say to me Oh, I read an article this morning from what Lucy wrote. Surely things weren't like that. And I go, yeah, if it makes you feel better to think they weren't like that, then carry on. I mean, obviously, there is um, magnification for comedy effect. However, there is always, there's always based on the truth. You know, 
<laughs> when I um, met my now husband, after a few meetings with my mother, he described her as, um, in the case of a nuclear holocaust, it will be the cockroaches and your mother that survive. <laughs> because she just wouldn't let it get in her way. And I think that basically sums it up. It's not that she's invincible. It's just that she won't let it disturb the uh, equilibrium. So, yes, she's very brusque, but she's she's a very strange mixture of certain vulnerabilities and insecurities that people will never think she has. And I would put myself in the same category. But equally, she's incredibly practical. You know, if something needs doing, she does it there and then rather than waiting till the next time she gets up. And it's so annoying. (laughs) Um, When I was talking to Emily, I said, oh, you know, um, I said, what are your roles in the family? But she misheard me and said, what were the rules? And I think maybe this would be a really... (laughs) That was a long conversation. That's why you overran. (laughs) I think this should be really the bulk of the podcast is talk me through some of the Mangan House rules because some of them are baffling and all of them are entertaining well there's the no drink with soup yeah because why would you need a drink with soup was the premise for this one yes soup's a drink and a meal yes so and bear in mind this is this is the 70s and 80s when soups were basically salt, salt and sugar yeah. in a in a can we're not talking about homemade you know because it was mum soup or anything it was mum feeding yeah. us therefore possibly mm. with mince added to it occasionally yeah <laughs> Oh, God, just so many. And you'd have to be in the house sort of moving around before you could remember. They're so deeply embedded in me that I don't really see them as rules. Um, uh, as I say, any, any more than a North Korean would actually <laughs> realise that they yeah, were under a different a, a life outside. Yeah. Yeah. What um, about the evening um, routine of leaving the downstairs tidy to come back to? Was there not a rule around that? Obviously. Um, <laughs> yes, but I so many. I mean, not one rule. Not, rule. not one rule. That's... That's just the most sensible way of doing things, Catherine. Yes, Catherine. It's not. It's not a rule. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life. <laughs> it's not a rule, but up until <laughs> oh god, up until we were probably about fifteen or something, Mum didn't believe in letting us wear swimming costumes. What? <laughs> no, not fifteen. Not no, fifteen. When we were little. No, little. She didn't see why any little girl needed a swimming costume instead of just a pair of swimming trunks or pants. Yeah, or knickers. Yeah. Wow, um, that's so, scarring. So we had to go to swimming lessons at school, which they had, still had in those early days of school. Um, the only girls there in trunks. <laughs> just as just as I was the only child at, at primary school who wore a school uniform. <laughs> you were the only child? <laughs> yes, because there was technically a school uniform. Even though no one had worn it for years, and certainly no one in in by our time, um, but there I went in my little green tunic and white shirt every morning. Literally the only one in the school. <laughs> so you know how you didn't have many friends at primary school. Yeah, yeah, it was my my choice entirely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't go for long in a swimming in a, a, in a swimming form, costume. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, long enough to get a few school photos. Yeah, true. Interesting. The rationale I think, no, was I think that there was... is a uniform, therefore you will wear a uniform, and so that yeah. mum didn't have to think about what you're wearing for school or any, you know, it was just a... Yeah, there were no decisions to be made. It was streamlining, exactly. yeah. always streamlining. Efficiency is the key. Mm. Yeah. Do you think there was a sort of horror in your mum of spoiling you, and that's where all of this comes oh, yes, from? Oh, was... God, yeah. Uh, yeah, spoiling and, and making us girly girls, I think, was the two were the two 
greatest fears. We also, I mean, you had no idea and didn't give a crap, but when when there was a fashion, you know, the 80s and 90s fashions of like kickers and dungarees and things like that, we would never, ever, ever get any of those things, mainly because we would never ask. But we would get them about six months after they went out of fashion because obviously they were on sale then. And <laughs> if we'd mentioned them a year before, then well, then it's still I, I got I did get kickers and I did get dungarees, but I could never wear them. <laughs> and where do you think that comes from in her? That kind of not wanting to spoil you or turn you into girly girls. Does she ever explain it, or is it just? There's nothing to explain, Catherine. What do you mean? I don't understand this. Why are you questioning this? Word? this? What, what do you? Qu- it is like people who've made it over the border. This sort yeah, of glassy-eyed bafflement that I'm being greeted with. No, it's just it's just a, a normal northern upbringing, and and followed by a great degree of self-confidence that meant she didn't feel any pressure to bow to kind of any modern softness which I I admire and of course I suppose thinking about it she was never part you know these days you get the NCT groups you get Mm. mothers groups there was there was never any peer pressure for it either Mm. I don't remember her being friends with any of our friends parents not that you have friends um but so that she never got that side of it she would only ever hear anything from us and we would not really demand anything we would never expect anything you know our friends were getting televisions and playstations or whatever it was at the time for christmas and you know our big present would be a bag of sugar but that's not true <laughs> but it's not far off no it was true of the last year she got a bag of sugar yeah. for Chris, her christmas once and it went straight in the family larder because they grew up without much money you know it was she's so she's and but also with a widowed mother of, of five yeah. you know really no money and so there's there's all of that. It's it's not cruelty. It, it wasn't cruelty. No, no. <laughs> but just this very sensible, unemotional way of of looking at at things. And and also, you've got it didn't matter because we were always very secure, very loved, very taken care of in all the important ways. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, once you you know whether you have a and we didn't really care. You know whether you have a right the right pair of kickers at the right time is really. Yes, this was by the by, yeah, exactly. and it didn't. You know, we we laugh about it. We are genuinely not complaining in any way. It's just, it's just always good for a laugh and always good for copy. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, and also, there's no need to compensate for much if you've already got the big ticket items of security and love. <laughs> exactly. There's no we compensating never, yeah, to be done. We never wanted for. I never. Rem- I don't remember, apart from you know, some sort of Lego. Um, I don't remember really wanting for anything. I would just. It no, just wasn't. It wasn't part of our makeup that we would hanker after anything because we were content. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit to finish off. Um, I did ask about roles, but I, I sense with... Yeah, what did she say? Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, what did she say? Well, she's obviously practical and you're me. obviously not. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> it. But she said they have merged and you have, you know... Not the practical to... bit, loose. No, she used to see you as the funny one and now she feels a bit more confident. But I sense by some of your more recent columns and things, it's more than sensing, that you've got to that age and stage in life that we all get to where your roles are having to change because your parents are actually getting older and you've had to have some conversations around that. But what does that feel like when you do get to that sort of, oh, right, okay, you know, we've been laughing about being the children, but now all of a sudden, actually, it's different. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Feels like shit. Yeah, How about you? Absolute then? shit. <laughs> 
No, so I've been talking about this a lot recently because my husband's in the same position with his parents. But yeah, we've the role will change, and actually, there's a there's a definite shift. Mm. And then, of course, Lucy's local. I'm not, so she's doing the well. She's doing the practical bit for in in a way being there. Yeah, really, really badly. Yeah, really badly. <laughs> I she came home from hospital the other day, and I slept through it. <laughs> My crippled yeah. dad had to get up and let her in. The only reason you went there was so that dad didn't have to get up. There's you. They, they stood outside your door, the two of them, him crippled, he her just out of A&E, listening to you snoring. <laughs> I'm there to bring them together through laughter. That's that's my role. That's essentially our roles, everyone's roles in the whole family. If you're not funny, you're yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. But how do you feel about it, Lucy, if Emily feels a little bit weird? Um, I feel differently because our bond has been very much that I'm I'm the daughter. I'm not a baby, but I'm I'm a you know I'm an incompetent. I remain a child in that sense, <laughs> and she's the she's the mother, very much the mother. And the idea of me having to sort of step up and take responsibility for myself, never mind her, is um, is ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. And to her. And to her, yeah. Um, well, making it sound like she's nearly in the ground. She's had a yeah, slight no, she's, wobble. She's, she's, <laughs> but, you know, when Iron Man starts to rust, yeah, you know, you look at you, you it's, it's a moment. Yeah. And has it changed your relationship as sisters, this having to kind of be a little bit more practical and maybe talk on email about stuff that actually has to be done, whether it gets done or not? I feel no, quite, not, really. not really that we've always because we've always been very honest and don't sh- you know hedge stuff is you know yeah it's no pussyfooting around it's just yes don't know wasting time and being polite between being polite amongst families do strikes me as the most bizarre waste of time there could possibly be when are you actually you ever going when are you ever actually going to be yourself but it's inauthentic as well who do you actually ever relax with then if you can't ring up a member of your family going, why are you being such a stupid shit? Or why is he being such a div? Um, when do you ever, ever get to relax? Mm. That, and that's I think, is what I'm most grateful for about our family and about your and my relationship, that you are my best friend. I can say absolutely anything to you, whether I'm ashamed of it or I'm proud of it or whatever it is. And that is the only person I can say that to. There are others that come close. I wish I wish you wouldn't. I know. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't, you know, ring me up because something's leaking again, whether it be biological or otherwise. Um, but not everyone has that. And in fact, an awful lot of people don't have that. There are funny things in all our families and we've got ours, but... Equally, we have an overriding security and friendship and love. (laughs) Oh, God. I'll be thrown out the family. You can can edit this, right? Oh, please take that bit out. God. (laughs) Shan't. Thank you to Lucy and to Emily. And thank you, too, for listening. Lucy's new book, Are We Having Fun Yet?, is out now. You could order it quickly for friends in time for Christmas and you would not regret it. It's hilarious. Don't forget to mention my book as well. Oh, oh no, wait, yeah. I haven't got one. <laughs> I'm the failure, remember? We didn't touch on that one. How the 
failure. What are you talking about? It's <laughs> a whole other session. Thank you too to Tanita Tickerham, who let us use this amazing song. Sound design is by Nick Carter at Mixonics and digital production by Charlotte Griffiths. The question is, would we be friends if we met kind of from a standing start now? I think we would because we share a sense of humour. Without love, I think she'd probably find me too annoying to want to spend too much time with. Next week in the final episode in this season of Relatively, Bobby Seagull and his brother Davy. They talk about injury, ambition and strange twists of fate. If you've enjoyed this season of Relatively, please do leave us a review. It really does help others to find us. Or even better, recommend it to your brother or your sister. There's a good tradition of love and hate Staying by the fireside There's a good tradition of love and hate Stand by the fireside, another rain may fall. Your father's calling you, you still feel safe inside. Only your ma's too proud. Your brother's ignoring you, you still feel safe inside. Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time, this didn't do When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.